We all know the emergency room may not be the best option when it comes to seeking care for less severe medical problems. But how do we decide where to go and when? In this episode of Healthy Headlines, Novant Health leader, Dr. Pam Oliver, walks us through the options and also discusses the emerging choice of virtual care. Stick around afterwards for a link on accessing virtual care at Novant Health. So we're here today with Dr. Pam Oliver, a leader at Novant Health and a physician herself, uh, to talk about when to go to the ER, when to use urgent care, and when virtual care might be an option. Dr. Oliver, let's start with some of the basic differences on services and how to, from a big picture, how do you decide when to uh, uh, use these various options? So first, it's wonderful that today we have so many options for patients and not only are, is it important because of location and access, but also price point. Um, as we are all more conscious about how much money we're spending for healthcare. So traditionally, we've ha always had emergency departments and emergency departments are great and necessary for things that are severe and life-threatening, especially anything that may require additional, sur uh, additional evaluation or surgery or even hospitalization. So non, um, no controversy at all that if you are experiencing any symptoms or signs that could be a heart attack or a stroke, shortness of breath, trauma, chest pain, overdoses, those are automatic emergency department visits. And in many of those instances, we would even say you need to call 911 for an ambulance to be able to escort you to the, um, take you to the emergency department and expedite your care when you're there. Urgent cares, on the other hand, were designed for less um, severe issues, things that are more minor and at a better price point. So minor cut sprains and burns, fever, flu-like symptoms, cough, cold, asthma, that's mild exacerbation and not a severe attack, headaches, um, you know, back and joint pain. So you brought up an interesting point about calling an ambulance. When do you call an ambulance and how do you know because uh, we've all heard it can be an incredibly expensive um, uh, decision? So our EMS team is able to assess and provide immediate care even during transport for some conditions. So symptoms of um, or signs or symptoms of stroke or heart attack are often best if you call an ambulance if you truly feel that that could be um, what is going on because they can actually start treatment when they start to assess you and those minutes can be impactful for outcomes. Um, I would also, you know, trauma obviously, major accidents, um, those are types of things that an ambulance could be a game changer as far as outcomes. It can be more expensive and so depending on um, insurance coverage, it is something to uh, be diligent about about calling, but definitely for more severe, uh, more severe symptoms. And so it strikes me that it can get trickier when you're talking about um, a baby. We all know that chest pain means uh, you should go to the ER, but what do you do when you've got a screaming infant and you have no idea what's going on? And it seems kind of severe, but maybe it's not. Right. It is difficult. I can tell you as a parent, uh, you, you wrestle with your child and the symptoms, uh, the symptoms they're having and what to do. And we always tend to go 
to the worst case scenarios in our mind, and we don't want that for our children. Um, it is difficult to tell what pain is for a child when they're crying in pain. I would say that you know there's an instinct there about how severe that pain is based on a child's reaction. More minor things, which could be constipation or gas, could definitely go to a, either the physician's office or to, uh, urgent care. But if a child is debilitated and appears to be in severe pain, then I think the emergency department would always be um, the uh, option. The other thing is that in Infants two months old or younger, fever is al always warrants an emergency department fever. I mean, visit. However, in children over over that age, then most of the time fevers are associated with colds or viral syndromes and can be evaluated either in the doctor's office or at urgent care and would not require emergency department visit. And if uh, so, you bring up an interesting point about fevers and infants. So, two months old and less, is it any heightened elevation or is there a general cutoff point at where y you hit a certain number on their fever and it's time to go to the ER? So, generally, fever for us is anything greater than 100.4. So, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people might have about making a decision versus uh, urgent care versus the ER? I think that when people think about urgent cares, they think that they truly are many emergency departments and that they can do almost anything. And that's not always the case. So it is important to know with your urgent care facility if they have imaging so they can do x-rays on site. Uh, there are some places where they don't have the ability to do x-ray or blood work if you need that. So that's why thinking through what type of um, symptoms you're having and what you even think may be necessary uh, because what may happen is you could go to urgent care and end up going to the emergency department. But for things like cold-like symptoms, flu-like symptoms, um, uh, more minor cuts and bruises, those are not necessary and so it would most likely always be okay to go to an urgent care. Um, with emergency departments, I think the misconception is that everything is um, emergency in a sense that things will get taken care of within an hour quickly and in all honesty there's a triage approach with emergency departments just like with anything else where the more severe the symptoms are the more priority that patient is given which then may delay someone who's been there a little bit longer but for flu-like symptoms and that is also a reason for prioritizing doctor's visits and urgent cares for minor um, illness so that you can not only free up the uh, emergency room staff to take care of the real, um, the larger emergencies, but also to prevent the frustration you will have by waiting um, for something that you ultimately end up being told you could have been seen in the ED, I mean, in an emergent care for. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, there's not necessarily a first come, first serve in the ER. It's a lot more complicated than that. Exactly. And also, um, it sounds like before you go to urgent care um, and you've got something that may be more complicated than you think, it's worth uh, giving them a quick call or looking at their website to see what they have and what they don't so you make the most efficient decision. Luckily, most urgent cares do have websites and will tell you at each location what services are available. And I know as a patient it's difficult to know what the workup and treatment might be for what you're having. So there are definitely some things that are clearer, like bug bites and, and, and uh, flu-like symptoms. Uh, but if in doubt, then th um, there, this is where telehealth may come in, actually. Uh, we have patients who actually make a call 
for a telehealth visit to get an assessment and then they may get triaged to go to their doctor's office or to the urgent care um, or to the emergency department. So it's almost advice, um, but from someone who's a medical professional um, who can hear, let, you know, hear what's going on and direct them more accurately even though it may cost something, for some insurances it doesn't, uh, it still will be better than paying the emergency department co-insurance if you don't truly need an emergency department visit. Right. Yeah, so you brought up a great point about telehealth. Um, so ideally, what, what's the best way to use that? So telehealth really is about very minor symptoms. So uh, ear aches, sore throat, some rashes even that can be described. Uh, I would say that this is the most minor of, um, of, of concerns which probably could be taken care of in the office instead. That is the most appropriate uh, use for telehealth as we think about it. We are expanding telehealth for even more um, options for chronic um, management of patients or ongoing management of patients, but when I think about issues that arise that otherwise we'd be talking about emergency departments and urgent cares, telehealth would be those that you might otherwise go to your doctor for, but you can get it from the convenience of your home. Gotcha. So uh, Novant Health um, is, uh, it is expanding its access to care uh, in a partnership through TitoCare, um, the creator of the healthcare industry's first all-in-one uh, device and telehealth platform. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that works and what the potential is here? Yeah, so for years we've had the ability to do on um, to do video visits where we could actually see a patient on um, uh, video, but there were limitations in the assessment that we could do. And that makes a lot of physicians uncomfortable when we're used to being able to actually touch our patients to do an exam, to listen to the heart, look in the ears. So Title Care is actually really innovative. It's a small um, digital unit that patients can purchase and it comes with attachments that will allow the physician um, to be able to look, do an exam um, with amplified uh, video so they can actually see the skin for rashes and things of that nature. Uh, it has a attachment to be able to look in the ears and to look in the throat and actually to um, act to perform as a stethoscope. So. Uh, patients will put it on their chest and we can actually hear the heart rate and the breath sounds. So that is a game changer because it adds a whole nother level to the evaluation and what we can treat and will make us more comfortable with treating an expanded array of, of um, issues and concerns digitally from a patient's home. So I imagine as a parent with um, my child never getting a fever until 5.30 p.m. on a Friday evening that to be able to use this device to have a um, physician or nurse practitioner look in the ear of my child to say, is it ear infection? Look in the throat, reassure me, send in the prescription from home and not have to worry or wait through the night to get to a urgent care or until the doctor's office open. This is a game changer for uh, patients from an access perspective. Oh. And so will this be, do we envision that adults will be using these as well? Yes, I, many adults will actually be using this for the same reason. I think that there are the, the ability to re get the reassurance, um, especially with someone being able to listen to your heart and lungs. Um, there are lots of bronchitis and, and um, cold-like symptoms or rashes that without that more thorough evaluation, the um, telehealth visit might be a, a little bit less accurate in the sense of 
you may need further treatment if things don't respond. So I do believe this will maybe uh, decrease the amount of follow-up that people will have because we'll be able to get more things right up front with the telehealth by adding the examination. Can the flu be diagnosed via telehealth? So flu cannot be, di uh, cannot be diagnosed in the sense of a test, but most flu-like symptoms, um, uh, that is what the practitioner can diagnose. They can evaluate what the symptoms are, they can look more thoroughly at the, um, uh, in the mouth and in the ears to rule out other things, which is a biggest part of diagnosing someone with the flu, is knowing the symptoms and ruling out more severe problems, which they can then do with the title unit, and from a regular, um, online video visit just from talking to a patient and understanding what they have going on. And going to ask you to look into the future a little bit here. Where do you see uh, virtual visits going over the next five to ten years? So the projections nationwide, and we see this um, within our own network, are that a larger and larger percentage of um, office visits or visits with patients or encounters will be digital, whether it's through a traditional um, video or using these units like TitoCare. And a large part of that is driven by patients who really value access, being able to get care um, in a more timely fashion and from the convenience of their home when possible. Uh, we are actually utilizing, like I said, more of these types of video visits and telehealth visits to not just treat active pro I mean, problems when they arise, but to monitor and follow up with patients when they don't need to drive into our offices. So a big part of this is around access, and we know that it will be a growing part that insurers are now finally investing in and reimbursing and making it easier for patients, whereas years ago, even when the technology was available, patients still had to cover it all out of pocket, and so there wasn't as much of a demand. And so as a physician, um, how do you make a decision if you meet with somebody virtually um, and you're not getting the clear-cut information uh, via that method? What do, what do you do when that happens? It really depends on what is required for the visit. So if I need to examine a patient in a way that I cannot do through a video camera or even using the Taito um, unit, I need to see that patient. And there's also a cadence with which having that face-to-face -face connection will be important. So even if it's annually, you know, once a year or every six months, but maybe the visit in between, then I can actually do by video, um, then it would make me more comfortable with that. There is also emerging technology now where patients can put their uh, uh, blood pressure and weight through connected devices. They can either take it themselves and upload it for us, um, or they can buy a device that might interface or communicate with our electronic record or my chart so that we get more data and information than we ever had before. So a big part, I think, of telehealth is that there's some ownership on the patient to be able to engage with the technology, understand it, and either enter the information that we need or have these other devices that will help them be able to stay home and not come into the office. So you heard Dr. Oliver talk about Title Home. Title Home is a lightweight and portable medical exam kit that will connect to a Novant Health provider who can virtually examine the heart, lungs, skin, ears, throat, and abdomen, all from wherever they are, potentially eliminating a rush to the emergency room or the doctor's office. 
This could be especially handy for parents of young children prone to ear infections and other common afflictions. Online, search Tito, that's T-Y-T-O, and Novot Health. You'll find a link in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening, and please take a moment to rate and review us at wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again.